1: At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends? If you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit
0: back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron. And of, cor- of course, and today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer Joe. Hi Aaron. Joe is uh, going to be filling in for uh, the comic book weeks from here on out until Joe decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. But uh, just because I feel like we had such a good time talking last time, and it, Joe might be one of the biggest comic book nerds I've I've come to know recently. So yeah, so I thought that was a perfect fit. And you know, at Cif Pop, we're all about uh, trying to trying to promote positivity for movies, trying to always promote what we love rather than what we hate. And I figured you love comic books so much, you would love to talk about them.
1: Oh yeah, big time. You're gonna have to beat me with a stick for me not to come back on the show, so. Awesome. Oh, <laughs>
0: well, we're here for SifPop.com providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie related articles, so make sure you check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. On today's show we'll talk about a com- two coming attractions, actually. We'll be talking about the the Maritinian um, as well as Judas and the Black Messiah. Both of these coming out uh, relatively soon here. And uh, when we're done talking about those two, we'll move on to the MCU Phase 2 because we want to have Phase 3 done by the time we to get around to black widow when we're done talking about phase two we'll move on to a b plot question i have for us that i thought was fun we'll do a split off quick recommender warn from each one of us uh and then we'll wrap up the show uh but first you know like we do every week let's get a chance to know our writer and joe you've already been on the show before you got a chance to answer these questions before but it's it's been a hot second so uh i'm gonna ask you these questions again uh remind us what your favorite movie is
1: yeah for for my favorite film of all time i'd have to go with the Shawshank redemption Great i thing. love the chemistry between the leads probably the best narration I've ever seen in a film cinematography direction every from every standpoint it's at like the top or peak at, at its uh level oh yeah that is um, an excellent pick when I tell people that they're usually not too surprised they're like yeah that's a good pick you know there's yeah. really no no debate around it
0: just give us a quick reminder how'd you get involved in writing for sippop.com
1: yeah a little funny story got got in through Blake um I saw his page on Instagram and we were able to kind of gently jab at each other a debate over certain films because we have uh, slightly different tastes in certain things. Um, I'm very art house oriented, and I, I have a feeling he doesn't like art house films. So we would, uh, like I said, gently jab at each other. And then one day he just uh, DM'd me, and he's like, "Hey, would you like to write for uh, you know this website called Sip Pop?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." Like I've already been kind of doing this as a as a hobby. This seems like the uh, correct course of direction to go in. Mm-hmm. And I've been writing for like a little over a year. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to get
0: back into writing the BECs on a, on a weekly basis. And then I have one kind of random silly question to bring up. And that is the question, <laughs> if you could dub <laughs> one person, king of the internet or queen of the internet, who would that one person be?
1: I think kids would say like somebody like Logan Paul or Jake Paul, but I hate those guys. So probably not them. To think of <laughs> Any, literally like, anybody but them. Uh, I've been actually watching a podcast that actually is like, not a podcast, but a uh, YouTube channel that's been blowing up uh, recently called All Gas, No Breaks. That guy is amazing. And his interview kind of like Gonzo style of interviewing is just so entertaining. So for me, I think that guy's the king of the internet right now. If you'd have asked me exactly one month ago, I would have said Jack from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, uh, man, I, I think Ryan Reynolds kind of just is king of the internet. It, it's either him or Anna Kendrick has the best Twitter account, uh, account out there. <laughs> it's one of the two, but the difference is Anna Kendrick tweets like once every six months and Ryan tweet, Ryan tweets usually every day or two, but when he's not, you're doing a paid promo for something, it's, he's typically doing something that's great. Although, a lot of times when he is doing a paid promo he finds a way to make it fun
1: so gosh he's just i just i love those two follows i think they're great i don't know how i didn't think of ryan yeah he definitely is like one of the kings of the internet if not the king just every quip every little thing he comes up with is just hilarious it's like always like it's always like top shelf goodness
0: oh yeah <laughs> there we go we dub ryan reynolds king of the internet i hear it yeah Obama i think I'll, sure.
1: I'll agree with you on that i'll put um all guests no breaks as a uh, as a runner up.
0: i'll take your word on that one uh, <laughs> Cool. Well, hey, let's uh, dive into the coming attraction. I'm really excited about both these movies, actually, uh, to talk about them. And we're going to talk about the Mauritanian. I think I'm at least pretty close on that. The the Mauritanian.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's a tongue twister for sure. Like,
0: it really is. It really is. So the uh, the um, synopsis for this is that a detainee at a U.S. military at the U.S. military's Guantanamo Bay detention center is held without charges for over a decade and seeks help. From a defense attorney for his release. Now, Joe, I've kind of half watched the trailer. (laughs) I've done your slight research on this. And what are what is your anticipation level for this movie? If this, let's say, COVID doesn't exist in the world anymore, and let's say that uh, this this is going to be a theatrical release. By the way, that's worth noting. I don't think nothing about my indication says this is paid VOD, and Mm -hmm. I see conflicting results. IMDb says this is February nineteenth. Wikipedia says it's February twelfth and then the 19th in the UK, so we're talking about it this week it's fine. There's stuff to talk about next week. So I'm not totally positive when this comes out, check your local theater because the internet doesn't seem to be so sure about it. But um, what's your anticipation for the level for this? Would you try to catch this opening weekend, uh, wait for a matinee, wait to rent this at home, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you just not interested in seeing this movie?
1: Uh, for this particular film, uh, I, I would give it a matinee. Like I was actually overall pretty enthused about it. I like the, uh, the kind of tension throughout the trailer. Uh, mm-hmm. My only worry is that I don't know if it could hold that tension throughout the entirety of the film. Okay. Uh, that's a really difficult thing to do. That's like some kind of David Fincher level type of like filmmaking to make that happen. I was excited about it. I was actually pretty caught off guard about it. But yeah, overall, I would say a matinee.
0: Yeah, I was I was pretty caught off guard about this one too. Uh, just because I didn't didn't hear about it until I saw it was coming out. I was like, well, it stars Benedict Cumberbatch, so you know Jodie Foster, which means it's probably going to be a relatively decent like hit and. Because of award season being pushed back, you know, this is probably trying to to sneak into there. And uh, I I think I'm exactly with you. I think I'm going to matinee for this. Um, I think the plot description alone makes me want to be in the opening weekend category. And I was so excited (laughs) to watch this trailer and to find out more about the story. And I watched the trailer and I was just kind of bored because you're right. It takes it takes your David Fickner uh, or your David Fincher to to, to pull this off. And uh, I haven't quite dug into the, uh, the the credits in this yet. But uh, I, a lot of times trailers are mis- uh, you know deceiving. But like this would be great for uh, like Catherine Bigelow. This is perfect like Zero Dark Thirty like mm-hmm. type of story vibes. I, For some reason I just couldn't get into the trailer. Maybe maybe it's also Benedict Cumberbatch's very American accent. Um, Maybe it's Shailene Woodley, because I don't know that she's really great in anything. She seems
1: kind of thrown in. Like, everybody else, they seem like they're on top of their game, especially just from catching the trailer. And she just seems like a deer in the headlights, but maybe that's just her character, or... Like I said, like you said, I've never seen or anything where I was super impressed. So
0: yeah, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> all right, let's see. Taking a look at the uh, director for this movie. Uh, looks like he did a lot of documentaries. Even won an Oscar in 1999 for a documentary called One Day in September. So I guess that's worth noting. Looks like he kicked off his movies with The Last King of Scotland, which I never seen. Uh, State of Play, which I did see, but I don't remember anything about. Uh, looks like he did The Eagle and, yeah, had some documentaries and some small stuff sprinkled in here or there. Uh, Kevin McDonald, his name, by the way. I, I mean, Last King of Scotland has to be, like, the biggest hit out of there, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's his biggest film besides his documentary work. I think he's, I think he's more of a documentarian that kind of turned filmmaker. But, yeah, sure. no, nothing really super stood out to me besides Scotland because, I, I mean, I've never seen it personally, but I've heard good things.
0: Well, and that's the other writer we got, uh, Michael Brauner, uh, who hasn't really done much. He's a writer for the the script and did the story. Uh, another writer that is on Black Adam. Um, So we'll talk about mm-hmm. him eventually again. But yeah, really nothing else. And another one that must must just be a duo because, yeah, nothing else. So nothing about the crew excites me. <laughs> Cass is pretty solid, though. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, like, like I said, besides, um I, I can't even remember the other girl you just mentioned. Uh, uh, Shailene Woodley? Yeah, from Divergent. But everybody else in the cast looks, uh, looks great. I, I don't know the actor who plays the uh, person that's that's being being held.
0: Yeah, neither do I. And I'm looking at his IMDb right now. I mean, he's got a lot of credits, but I don't know how many of these are
1: necessarily Hollywood movies. Right. He seems like more of a character actor. But um, yeah, he seemed really impressive in it. The acting seemed like it was pretty top-notch. Like I said, the only concern I have is that like the direction and the pacing. Films, films like this could either be hit or miss. Uh, when it comes to this, like they'll show you the best hit bits in the, in the trailer. And then it's kind of flat the rest of the way through like, like to not, not really a side tangent, but could you imagine having gone girl and not have David Fincher in it? Like to me, that's like the, that, that's like a thing, you know what I mean? Like, all right.
0: So that's a, that's a trick question because yes, I could, I could see that. Um, and it's for really one reason. And it's uh gone girl is based off of a book written by Dennis Lehane and the other move, big movies that were written by him. Uh, that are based off of books written by him are mystic river directed by clint eastwood which is an excellent movie and gone baby gone which is my seventh favorite movie of all time directed by mm-hmm. uh, ben affleck so i mean that's a case where i think i think david fincher makes that movie something more special than what it could be but you know a ben affleck or a or or a clint eastwood uh, or somebody that can has done these gruff kind of movies i mean so yeah, i mean but but i i get the i get the point that you're trying to make though is ex- exactly right like you know it put put this with a yo, know, a fincher type director or like i said
1: catherine bigelow like it looks like yeah. a catherine bigelow film like the way it's shot it's like why don't you guys just get catherine bigelow <laughs> i mean potentially
0: budget issues but uh, uh, yeah maybe they wanted to separate it a little bit more from Zero Dark Thirty, since this is dealing with terrorism in the, you know. Potentially the matters. same subject matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, Jody Foster looks great in this. I wonder, so here, here's the thing I, that I, I'm kind of most curious about. Have you seen Knives Out?
1: I, I uh, have. I love Knives Out.
0: Okay, me too. I, I really, really love Knives Out. But I know some people that can't quite get into it as much as I do because they're distracted by Daniel Craig's accent. But I think that that is one of the highlights of the movie. It's obviously nowhere near like the top highlight of the movie because everything about that screenplay is just perfect and about the direction of that movie is just perfect. And I think the characters are perfect. You know, it's just, but I think, I think that Daniel Craig is giving a great performance and his accent doesn't bother me, partly because his character is really meant to be somewhat of a caricature. So I think that's part of it. But this whole, this Benedict Cumberbatch doing a very like Andrew Garfield and Hacksaw Ridge kind of accent. And like, I know he can do a great American accent because I think he's excellent in Dr. Strange and he sounds like an American (laughs) Uh, he sounds like what I would expect a New York to sound. You know, a surgeon in New York to sound you know, upper class Manhattan to sound right. like that probably is going to throw me off if and when I see this movie.
1: I wasn't too bothered by it. It, okay. it was it was slightly over the top, but it, and to to go back to Hacksaw Ridge, the thing about that Desmond Dawes like actually sounds like that. It's yeah. pretty pretty funny when you watch that. You're like his accent's so thick, and then you go and you're like, oh, that just sounds just like him. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I, I don't maybe but maybe now seeing having seen the trailer, maybe that would be a, maybe that would break the ice. You know, if you, if you see Knives Out without seeing the trailer, or if you see Logan Lucky without seeing the trailer, and then when Daniel Craig shows up, you'll be like, Oh, okay. Now I need to adjust to that. But if you see the trailer, you kind of know what's coming. I think that could help you adjust. And you know, maybe, maybe that will do that for, um, for this year. I, I don't know. Um, is this based off a true story? Is there been any indication in the trailer or anything like that?
1: It said based off a true story, um, okay. and I and I think when I looked at the IMDB, IMDb page, they they referenced it as so.
0: Okay, I, I, I was like, I really hope this is a true story, because uh, if so, this is, I think, a story that is worth being told, but I just, I couldn't confirm, so. Yeah, and then, but once we get out of our top, you know, really our three, like, notable leads, Cumberbatch, Woodley, and Foster, I mean, Zachary Levi, which I don't remember seeing in the trailer at all, but... Again, I was kind of half their attention. So, <laughs> well, good. So it wasn't just my ignorance, and and our uh, Tahir Rahim is the the lead. But again, neither of us have seen him in anything. I mean, it kind of jumps down to like non recognizable people, uh, which is not a problem.
1: You have to you got to build new talent up. When I say a new face, you know that's great.
0: Yeah. But like, you know, even you look at something like Zero Dark Thirty and you got obviously you're Jessica Chastain. You throw in your Kyle Chandler in a supporting role. Jason Clarke. I mean, Chris Pratt's even in that movie. Like, yeah. that that's a stacked movie. And, you know, we're talking. I don't know what this budget was, but Zero Dark Thirty being a big Oscar contender and a big budget movie. So, you know, versus your, uh, or like even like something like Knives Out, which again, we're talking big budget movie. Like that, every single person in that cast is just insanely talented. So there's enough here about the story that intrigues me, but there's nothing that pushes it over the line to be like, I got to see this.
1: I think we both fell on matinee, correct?
0: Yeah, 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 we did. I totally agree. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know that I'm gonna like, especially since COVID is around. I don't actually think I'm gonna get it to the theaters to see this, but I could see myself popping by on a Sunday afternoon or something like that on a, on a normal time. I don't feel a rush to go. I'd be, and this also doesn't look like it warrants a big screen experience. But yeah, I don't. Heck, think so. I, I like seeing any movie on
1: a big screen if I can. I don't have any more thoughts to you anymore. Uh, no, I think we pretty much pretty much summed it up. Sweet. I, you know, I I completely agree. Like it's it looks good, but it doesn't look it doesn't look great. It doesn't completely grab me. Okay.
0: There's our thoughts. I'm sure uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more thoughts coming out uh from people that actually have seen the movie. So at some point. But we have one more that we're going to talk about and uh, we're going to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. This is coming to theaters as well as HBO Max. On February twelfth, that is this Friday, from when the episode launches, you can check it out at home or you can check it out in the theaters. Uh, this is coming. Uh, synopsis for this movie is the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his fateful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. All right, let's just let's just dig into it. I'm here opening weekend. I've I've got to be here for this movie. What about you, Joe?
1: Yeah, same. I couldn't even like I couldn't even say it loud enough. I probably your ears, but yeah big time, uh, watch it opening weekend. Like, yeah,
0: big time. I'm, I'm actually really excited. So I've been, I've been getting screeners recently because of doing the podcast and I've reached out and asked for some screeners. And like, um, as soon as this trailer dropped, like a month ago, I emailed WB and I was like, Hey, can I please have this? I'm I'm dying <laughs> to see this. I, I, I don't think I can wait until February 12th to see this. Uh, and I, and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be getting a link on Monday that we're recording. So like, episode will already have been released. I'm supposed to be getting a leak Monday. So That's probably rude. by the time that the episode comes out, this episode comes out, I'll have seen this movie and I cannot wait. Also like awards stuff has started uh, to come out and uh, this is getting some recognition. I think rightfully so. Daniel Kaluuya is nominated in the Screen Actors Guild uh, as well as a couple other ones that are, uh, you know, it's being nominated for movies of the year, but I don't want to dive too much into that. <laughs> um, just, just notable, you know, we are in award season and we do have, Daniel Kaluuya and um, Lakeith Stanfield as our two main leads, who are two of the top five for sure. Prominent, especially young African American actors. Uh, I mean, Michael B. Jordan and John David Washington. I think are the only competition, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. As, as far as as far as that that big screen appeal and like the films that they've been in, and just their performances overall, have just been stellar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never seen Lakeith Stanfield be anything less than excellent. And I think Daniel Kaluuya is a great actor as well.
1: Le- Lakeith Stanfield was even good in the uh, Death Note movie. And that movie was just terrible. It was abysmal. But he was <laughs> great in it. Like, he's just good in everything he's in. It doesn't matter. So, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that, but... uh that's, yeah, you to.
0: Typically yeah. not my... <laughs> Uh, let's see. It looks like um, <clears throat> for a director of this movie is done by uh, Shaka King. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Ha- doesn't really have too much to his name. Uh, at least that I recognize some TV work. Definitely no like film work. He's also a, a writer for this movie. He's one of the, he's a screenplay credit. Uh, and then we got Will Burson who, Oh, he additional screw crew and scrubs. Love that.
1: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> anything scrubs related. I mean, um, <laughs> he, he wrote uh, an episode of scrubs apparently in 2003. So, that's, that seems like an odd combination of writer of Scrubs for this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, It's, this, a, it's, a, it's a slight tonal shift, right?
0: right, right. Well, I, all right. So this, I mean, this is actually a pretty, relatively heavy episode, but uh, I gave this episode a 10 out of 10. When I was doing my Scrubs rewatch, I, I was rating them all and it has an 8.1 overall. So like this is definitely one of the better episodes. Uh, and then Keith Lucas and Kenneth Lucas are also both um, a part of writing this writing team and... Yeah, again, not not really much, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think it's produced or executive produced by uh, Ryan Coogler. So
0: uh, I'm not sure. I'm just looking at the IMDb. I would not be surprised.
1: Um, this feels like a Coogler directed movie. Uh, it does. Not- when I saw Coogler, I got really excited, and then I saw the director, I was like, oh, I'm still excited. But you know, yeah, it was. It was. I perked up a little bit when I saw Ryan Coogler's name.
0: Yeah, he's he is one of the producers. And, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about our two main leads being uh, Lakeith Stanfield Daniel Kaluuya. I don't think it's possible to say anything bad about either of these two
1: guys, right? No, not even in the slightest. Every, everything I've seen them in, I've just, I think the first time I was ever, like, kind of exposed to uh, Daniel Kaluuya uh, was uh, uh, Black Mirror. And his episode of Black Mirror was just, like, super tragic and dark, as all things are for Black Mirror. And he just, like, yeah. really impressed me.
0: Yeah, just... yeah I mean it's it's hard to argue. I'm not a personally huge fan of get out. I think the movie's good i don't I don't think it's necessarily as good as everybody says it is. Maybe I just don't get it um as much as what everybody's saying and I know I just lost a lot of cred just lost a lot of cred by saying that statement. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I do think he is excellent in that movie. I think all around acting that movie is just excellent. Uh, it's probably one I need to revisit, but, uh, so yeah, obviously they're in it. Um, they're, they're amazing. Lakeith Stanfield looks like he's going to do an incredible performance here as always. It looks like both of these guys could be taking a run at the Oscar. Um, other notable addition, we have, uh, Dominique Fishback is, uh, is in this. She was in Project Power earlier this year. looks like she was on The Deuce, that HBO show for two years. She was in The Heat You Give, okay. as well as, I mean, we got Martin Sheen returning. I'm always here for some Uncle Ben <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Martin Sheen in in this uh, playing J Edgar Hoover, so that excites me. I think uh, I think Dominic Fishback, by the way, or Dominique Fishback, by the way, is also one of the people that just really shocked me with the trailer. It looked like she was given a stellar performance. And I th- the other thing I think of, of why I'm excited to watch this movie is a uh, two two huge reasons. One, cultural relevance. This looks like a very timely movie to be coming around. Uh, and B, with the recent release of the Trial of Chicago Seven, this movie centers around Fred Hampton who is played by uh, Kaluuya um, and Fred Hampton is the, I can't remember the actor's name, but uh, have you seen trial of Chicago seven? Uh, I have not. Okay. Bobby seal is played by uh, Yaha Manteen Abdul the second. Maybe I switched from those two. I don't know. Uh, the guy that played uh, mantis in Aquaman.
1: Yeah. As soon as you said the name, I was like, Oh yeah, I knew, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. And he was also in
0: Watchmen also, right? Yep. Yep. Um, he plays Bobby seal. Who's um, part of the Black Panther party? Part of the trial, uh, and Fred Hampton is the guy who is in the front row, kind of giving him some some legal advice. By the way, Trial of Chicago Seven, my favorite last year, favorite movie of last year. So super high recommend, especially if you have some time. I would really recommend getting it getting around to it uh, at some point this week, or or maybe maybe what I'd say is is watch this movie and then watch Trial of Chicago Seven because I'll put it on the list. I, I think this is going to be one of those movies that we're talking about in three or four years that uh, we're talking about double features, kind of like the same with like Dunkirk and The Darkest Hour. Like, I think this is going to be yeah. just like that. You know, I had that question a couple times on the show in a couple of different formats. So I, I 100% think this is going to be. It would have been fun if this was um, the same actor, if Kaliya would have been in Trial of Chicago 7 as well. And if they could have made it like a super connected.
1: Their you own know, little, little cinematic universe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do think this is going to be one of those double features. This trailer looks powerful. I'm so excited to see this one. Uh, any Anything else that you want to touch on? Anything I'm missing that is important to note here?
1: Well, I think we pretty much covered it. Like you said, this cast is just phenomenal. The, the leads the leads are great. Um, from what I saw in the trailer, to reiterate, it does look super powerful. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very timely. And it looks like they're, from what I've seen in the trailer, it looks like they're, they're lining up a really great project that has a lot of promise.
0: Yeah, and I'd be I'd be surprised if they don't try to bring this into the of Chicago Seven. Do you have any, any other thoughts? Or are you ready to to move on a little bit?
1: Oh, we uh, I think we um, I think we've about covered it. We can we can move on.
0: Sweet. So, well, hey, look, we got a, one one that's a matinee and one that's an opening weekend. Like, man, this is a, one of the best one two punches we can have. I mean, the last time I was doing research on all the the movies that we were doing for the coming attraction, and anytime we get two, like there's usually not two opening weekends. One. The only exception was. When I was talking with Ben, we had the trial of Chicago Seven and Borat Two came out the same week. So anyway, it sounds like it's going to be a good uh, a good week for uh, for moviegoers. But before we move on to the SIF topic, before we start talking about the MCU Phase Two, uh, I am introducing a very 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 brief uh, segment to the coming attraction, which I've been wanting to do since the show launched. I just forgot. But uh, every time that we have a writer come on, we're going to talk with them about you the last time you were on you we said this about uh about the movie for the coming attraction how did that turn out and so uh this will be a lot of fun for those you know kind of in your situation where you run in october i think maybe early november does that sound right yeah i think so
1: that sounds about right
0: yeah it's like it's been a couple of months um you know it'll be fun revisiting with some of them that have been haven't been on in a while but uh We watched the two, we we did a preview for Jiu Jitsu, uh, the Nicolas Cage one. And I did, I I went back and listened to the episode. You said, There is no way I'm watching this movie. (laughs) And I said, I could see myself watching this if the right situations were there. And it was on a streaming service I already pay for. Like for I said, I, it would have to be very <laughs> specific. It would have to be very specific circumstances, but I could maybe see myself turning this on almost like a, you know, a, a stupid fun movie. Like uh have a couple beers and have the boys over and watch it, watch a dumb Nicholas Cage movie which by the way I did I did buy it must have been in October because I did buy Mandy on Black Friday because of your super high recommend haven't seen it yet but
1: oh yeah yeah, I was about to ask you what you thought of it because it's usually Um, it's very polarizing for people yeah
0: maybe maybe next month
1: (laughs) I'll get around to it
0: so you said not interested and I said streaming Uh, have you held up on that have you have you still avoided this at all cost
1: oh yeah pretty much Uh, I frequently watch Double Toasted I love their show it's on YouTube And uh, and, and other spaces but I was like let me watch this review let me see what they think and it was exactly everything that I thought it was going to be like Nicolas Cage just got to duck out of the movie five minutes in bad like wig for him while a stuntman does all his stuff because you know he's not gonna do all these flips and all these you know crazy maneuvers he's not gonna be able to do half that stuff and there really was no story I was like well and also it was kind of win-win because uh, I got a good laugh out of what they were saying too so (laughs) uh yes. i didn't have to watch the movie and i got a synopsis so that was great there we go so, yeah
0: yeah it's looking like uh looks like we made the right call um imdb <laughs> this this is sitting at a 2.9 the letterboxd mm-hmm. aggregate is a 1.6 with the only sift pop writer having seen it being shane because shane sees everything he gave it a one and a half star and uh <laughs> Not out of a, five right?
1: okay that's what i thought yeah I thought
0: and uh good. Here's something that's surprising on Rotten Tomatoes. This has a 26% on the critic scale and a 70% in the audience scale. This is yeah, I think
1: they're look, I think they're trolling.
0: I don't. <laughs> well, lenient. taking taking the very briefest look at this, this is either like this is awful or like this is the exact kind of nick cage movie I want. And so it's either <laughs> a it's either a half of a star or a full five stars. There is no in between. Looks like looks like we did it. We made a good <laughs> Good decision. And and in a month from now, we'll talk about um, briefly the the Maritarian and Judas and the Black Messiah. And that should be fun. Let's, uh, let's do it. Let's talk about the MCU phase two. Let's move on to our SIF topic. Now, f- first things first, uh, we ain't going to worry about spoilers. Uh, I'm going to assume that you've seen every movie that we're going to talk about. So uh, hmm. this is MCU phase two. So we're going up to Ant-Man. We'll be talking about Iron Man 3 to Ant-Man pretty in depth. Um, I already talked about one through three with Reed, who was subbing in for Ben for uh, a family emergency that he had. I did not have a chance to talk with Joe about these movies, and so I uh, want to get just the briefest idea of what do you think about MCU Phase One and the movies within it.
1: Oh, uh, I think Phase One is kind of a mixed bag, right? Like it's all very kind of experimental. Building a universe is, um, as far as comic book universes go, is is not an easy feat. So yeah. I think they were just kind of dipping their toes in the water and doing. More or less straight up comic book movies, but I do think Phase One is still entertaining. But in in retrospect, with the the additional phases, you can see they're really hitting their stride when they hit Phase Two. And I just recently, um, coincidentally, watched all the films in chronological order. Okay, so I got a I got a good sense of things as far as like the overall. Did
0: Disney Plus just release them all in chronological order?
1: Uh, yeah, they actually have like there's okay. a category where it lists them under chronological order. They're missing some films, of course. Uh, I blame Sony for that. Um, it's, so it's it's just the Spider Man ones, right? Uh, I think Spider-Man and I think the Hulk is missing the Incredible Hulk. Oh, um, uh, that would be Universal. So yeah, and you can not, you can not find not those. Other, yeah, you can find those other places. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you can watch most of them there. But yeah, I, th- I think I think overall Phase One was effective, effectively building up to Avengers. I think they did a good job doing that. But a lot of the films don't really stand up on their own, besides Iron Man, in my opinion, and maybe okay. Captain America in spots. But everything else is it's fun, but none of them were like super great films.
0: Okay. And, uh, and if you could give a, a brief ranking of them, so Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain
1: America, and The Avengers. Yeah, for uh, for brief, uh, if we're going to go from best to worst, I would go Avengers 2012, Iron Man, Captain America the first Avenger, The Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2, and then lastly I would say Thor. And I don't even think oh. Thor is that bad of a film. I just, sure. I think in, in comparison to the others, it didn't really hit me as much.
0: Okay, that's fair. <laughs> it's not for everybody. I watched that with my mom, and we were both like, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> um, but but I think I like it the more I've seen it and the farther we've gotten from it. I, I really appreciate what Brandon what Brand was trying to do. But I mm-hmm. talked enough about Thor last time. Uh, let's start talking about phase two. So, uh, man, <laughs> do you remember being in the movie theaters in 2012? Remember going to movie theaters? <laughs> do you remember?
1: I, I don't even remember going to movie
0: theaters. So I don't know like, I remember 2012 at all, but we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> So do you, do you remember sitting in the theaters for Avengers and as those credits roll thinking, okay, now where do we go from here? I mean,
1: yeah, I kind of knew where we were going from here, especially if you saw the singer at the end with, with them introducing Thanos. Uh-huh. Uh, I was like, wow, I know exactly where this is going. You know, I've read a comic or two. Um, <laughs> I know where this is going. There's going to be this huge event I was like, how are they going to build up to this? Like, And I was already like kind of gobsmacked by Avengers itself. I was like, this is such a ridiculous thing. Like, I never thought anybody was going to be able to put all this to screen and for it to be good and make sense. And they, they did it like effectively. That third act is just like a victory lap in that film. Like, it's just amazing how everything kind of culminates at the end. It's probably like one of the best, like kind of action sequences in films, like at least top 100, as far as like things going, uh, things going on the way things co- are choreographed. So yeah, I just couldn't believe what they had had, ac- ha- what they had had accomplished and I just wanted to see more.
0: Right. Well, and not only that, but I also thought about the box office return. I mean, this was the first of the of these movies to crack uh, a billion. I think uh, yeah. this wound up with I think one point one, one point two, somewhere around there. Iron Man three actually did better in it than the box office because Avengers was such a hit mm-hmm. uh, and people loved that character. It's maybe that's a good gateway. Uh, I just I, I want to yeah. I, I think I want to wait to talk about the part of the point part of the reason why I wanted to bring that up. But it's just like I also remember sitting there and. I had known about Thanos. I'd Googled Thanos afterwards. <laughs> I'd heard the name, but I never knew what the story was. And I, but I knew the Infinity Gauntlet because he wields the Infinity Gauntlet in the end. And I'd known again after after researching after the movie about you know Bucky coming back and being the Winter Soldier and all that. So, but man, that was just crazy. <laughs> so let's let's start off with Iron Man three. Uh, this is gosh maybe the most divisive movie in the MCU. Uh, Joe, do you <laughs> like this movie? Love it? Hate it? Dislike it? Or think it's just okay.
1: Uh, I actually really enjoy it. I'd probably say if if it was like a score from like one to 10, I'd probably give it like an eight. Okay. Um, I think it, I think it does have some, have some, has some flaws, but I definitely think it's got a great script. I mean, Shane Black wrote the script and he directed it. Of course um, mm-hmm. it feels really like a Shane Black film, but like in the best ways possible. Like yeah. you, you can tell he really cared.
0: Yeah. And yeah. For anybody wondering, <laughs> this is how you do let Shane Black write a movie for a big blockbuster. Uh, not like predator. <laughs>
1: I, you know, I was just about to bring that up. If you interfere with Shane Black's uh, process, he'll literally give you w- what you want in the worst ways possible, and that's basically yep. a predator. Um, I, I feel like he got a little bit of freedom here to kind of like kind of flex his his creative muscles a little bit, and kind of throw everybody a curveball. Not everyone liked that curveball, but I kind of did. I actually kind of enjoyed it. Right.
0: That's. I think. I think this is what the movie relies on. This. This is where it's make or break for you is the reveal of the mandarin not being the mandarin uh, being the like an actor i think like this is very much where it's like you either are gonna hate this movie or you're gonna have a good time and to me i didn't know how to feel about it but i was at least in the moment appreciating how they were taking risks because i cannot imagine dc trying to do something like that especially in that era. I mean, recently we've got, you know, DC killed Superman and, and BDS, but this unheard of for super, for comic book movies to, to take such a drastic, such a big, almost punch to the, almost slap to the face to the audience. Uh, yeah. definitely to comic book lovers, uh, because everybody expected the, the Mandarin and the, the 10 rings, uh, to become a big powerhouse, of the MCU and the, and they chose to write it in their own way. and, <laughs> gosh the
1: the balls on shane black yeah he um, he, uh, he really didn't care i mean he didn't care in the best way possible you know what i mean I, I mean, I hate to keep using that phrase but he basically true. was just like like no i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out here and and let's see what happens like i don't care like he'll, i'll throw out these combustible elements and people are either gonna love this or are gonna hate it and yeah. i'm totally fine with that i so i don't i don't think i've said yet i'm it, I think I'm right where you
0: are in terms of liking this movie. I really like this movie. I'm not quite ready to say I love it, uh, but I just checked what I gave it on IMDb as I was doing my like, you know, I, I think I most recently related, rated them right after Endgame. But uh, I think I gave it an eight out of 10 as well. I think uh, it, not everything works. Uh, it's yeah. maybe a little long and mm. uh, uh, maybe the extra like Rebecca Black, uh, not Rebecca Black, <laughs> Re- <laughs> Rebecca Hall, <laughs> side story is not the best I don't know how much I felt connected to that but really the heart of this movie the interaction between Robert Downey Jr. and the kid I, I can't remember his name for the life of me uh, but he's the little kid in um, The Predator as well <laughs> those scenes of them together are just wonderful it, it's weird to say those as wonderful because Tony's got a really like toxic attitude towards the kid <laughs> like yeah, he says some really like
1: kids, that's for sure
0: <laughs> Right, like, he says some passively, like, you know, <laughs> incredibly mean things to him. But, like, it if it's his character. I love that uh, line.
1: Because we're connected. And he just drives away.
0: Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and this was maybe as funny as the MCU got until Guardians of the Galaxy, which we'll
1: talk about later. Yeah, I think I'll and, agree with that. Like, the, I thought the dialogue was really sharp and really well-written. And a lot of the jokes super land. Yeah. But uh, the thing I wanted to bring up, too, I think the thing that makes it super special, too, is you get to see Tony stripped away right you get tony you don't get iron man most of the time so he has to like he has to make do with what he has he has to prove that he's more than the suit and and that's the thing that comes on later on in the mcu you know what i mean as far as like if you're if you're nothing without the suit you're nothing at all yes the sequence where he has to make a makeshift
0: iron man suit is my favorite (laughs) sequence in the movie like where he has an oven mitt with like the wires attached Um, And he has, uh, where he makes an Iron Man suit out of stuff in his garage. I mean, not actually an Iron Man suit, but that is so fun. Is very Shane Black, is very original and unique. I was a big fan of that. I like the way that Tony's character progresses in this movie. The the destruction of the Iron Legion at the end um, really showed a lot of character growth. Kind of seeing him struggle with, with PTSD was, I think... Uh, a pretty bold choice to show, especially. I don't know. <laughs> I think movies have done a good job about it now, but accurately portraying mental illness and mental distress and trauma. Um, I think they do. They do a really good job at it now, but movies have not traditionally in the past done with that, uh, dealt with that well. But we were talking Shane Black, the writer of Lethal Weapon. So, yeah. Um, I, I think I think he handled it really well, and it made sense for where Tony's character was from Avengers. Yeah, I, I, maybe the ending is a little, little over the top. You know, this is where Rhodey becomes Iron Patriot, and you know, I don't, I don't know that I really care too much about that arc. But I think there's enough charm here. There's enough fun. There's a lot of there's some good character development. Um, there's some really cool things that the Iron Man suit keeps on being able to do more and more cool things. And I'm like, well, how can it get any cooler? And then, and they manage to upgrade it more. Or like, or Shane Black does the thing where it's like, hey, we're gonna do this really cool thing but it's not going to work. And it's going to make us laugh every time. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, another thing. Uh, I mean, I hate to keep adding things to this, but the, uh, the barrel of monkeys uh, action sequence. I mean, that, that thing is phenomenal. That, yes. that whole scene, like, Oh, everyone, everyone grab your monkey. Like that, that whole thing cracked me up. It was also like really exhilarating too, to watch it. Like, like, come on. Like you're like cheering for them to like, you know, all link up and they have like this great teamwork. But yeah, I just wanted to say that. I was like, it's great.
0: <laughs> the reason why I brought up seeing where Avengers goes after the Avengers is I so I had started up a movie podcast with in high school, right about the time this Avengers movie came out and we reviewed Avengers because, you know, who wasn't at the time. And one of the things that one of my co-hosts was saying, he's like, I really liked the movie, but I don't see where the MCU goes from here. Because now all of a sudden you're going to have so many issues with you know, why can't tony call captain america in iron man 3 and why can't cap call thor down like why with any little instance can't the avengers be assembled and you know because the avengers together could have taken down the mandarin you know the real mandarin like you know just like that like you know if just tony can do it then surely tony with the help of bruce banner and captain america and black widow could have surely done it i think and i'll talk about this which each with each movie that comes here i think each movie manages to handle this in a really fun way Um, And and, and in a really plausible way, because Iron Man 3 is very much a personal vendetta story. Um, It makes sense why Tony doesn't call Cap for help, uh, because because Happy gets injured and Tony's like, man, screw you guys. I'm in charge. Like, I need to get this guy. And I think that's something really interesting. And the other thing that's really interesting is this for a while becomes a detective movie. And I really appreciated that. You know, because until Tony knows all the pieces, he's trying to put them together and trying to figure out the extremists. And I really like those aspects of the movies. I thought it tied together really well.
1: It's a a pleasant stew, for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm out of things to say. Other things? Or are you ready to move on?
1: Uh, I mean, if if we're going to talk later on about like the kind of logistics of like where are certain characters later on, we could just go do it there. But yeah, I I have nothing else to, to really add. Not, yeah, not, yeah, not, well, we nothing more to talk about but you know we we got this. right okay well let's do thor of the dark world i am on the very
0: low side of okay for this movie uh maybe may in the middle of okay i definitely don't dislike this movie i'm not in that category i'm somewhere in okay and i think a lot depends on whether i'm watching it or whether i'm thinking about it because the more i think about it the less i like it but when i'm actually watching it I'm like this is far from great but like it's, it doesn't deserve all the crap that people get it, and I think to some degree, one of the things I love most about Endgame is that it did elevate each movie's importance to me, and this one is no exception to that. So I think post Endgame, this movie is is better. But uh, where do you land? What do you think? Like it, love it, hated this? I it, think it's just okay.
1: I really don't like this movie. I, I think That's... it's I think it's it might be the only stain on almost a pretty a pretty good record of like MCU films. Uh, I I just things I just do not like about it. I think the pacing is really poor.
0: Mm-hmm. There's no
1: real action sequences that really stand out that are like really well shot. The villain is Malekith. He's just, he's there. He's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yep. really get like, his motivations. He doesn't make, he doesn't draw that me hate, wanting to hate the villain, you know, love, love the hate type of relationship. He's just, yep. yeah, it's just, it's just pretty much everything about the film. is just, I, I've seen it three times and I've seen every single one of the other MCU movies at least 20 times plus, so.
0: A okay. little,
1: little indication
0: yeah i'm probably i i honestly think i've only seen thor of the dark world yeah probably twice maybe three times and uh i don't know that i've seen 20 i mean maybe on like iron man or the avengers or guardians of the galaxy but
1: uh right but i've seen
0: a lot of them you know close to a dozen times so it definitely this is definitely the one that i've seen the least i'm trying to think of like things that i do like about this movie <laughs> like to, to give a little defense on why I'm not completely in the like why I think this is just okay. I think I I totally don't like anything to do with uh, the Malekith and the, the his race. I, I I agree with you. I think it's kind of all over the place, both in terms of tone as well as in story uh, and themes. Um, there's there's just a lot about it that messy is a good word to describe this movie. Uh, but but I think I, I really like the the relationship and the evolution of uh, of Loki's character. Uh, specifically in relationship with Thor. I think, uh, I think that's really worth watching. I think that's probably the best part of the film
1: is those two. Yeah, it is for sure. Also, uh, Loki posing as Thor. That was great. That, that, that's like the scene that pops in my mind. Like that's like, I mean, I'm pretty biased because I'm a huge Captain America fan, but I just thought that part was hilarious. But yeah, I was thinking the,
0: I was thinking of when he morphs into Captain America. Yeah. As as they're walking through the corridor, but gosh, I I can't think of things to say about this movie. (laughs) I think this movie is crapped on so much because there hasn't really been a stinker in the MCU yet. Like, the closest thing to a stinker we got was Incredible Hulk, for like, you know, most of the audience would say. I mean, I maybe, like that you know, film. May, Maybe Iron Man 2, but probably Incredible Hulk a little bit less. And yeah, I, I like it as well. I, uh, I think it's a lot better than people get it credit for. I think finally, the MCU, which at this point could have done no wrong. Comes out with Thor: The Dark World. It'd be it'd be the exact same as if you know at the height of everything going on, Christopher Nolan just does The Dark Knight, and he comes out with something like I don't know, like The Dark Knight Rises or something. It'd be very similar to that.
1: <laughs> a little join, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, just when you when you when you reach something that's just so excellent, and then you release something that just kind of sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, or if it's just like if it's anywhere where it's just not even close to that that same ballpark, you're just like, yeah, I, I could pass on this one.
0: Right, right, and so that's why I look. It's it's this is the least watchable movie in the MCU. Far from good,
1: but I I think it's a little farther from awful than people say. It's got some. I, I feel like it has good scenes outside of the outside of the film that are just don't quite work. They're not cohesive. If that makes any sense. The other thing I actually liked about it was like how distraught uh, Loki was like after Fred had 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 died, and he tried to hide it through illusion. Like I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool. Like him kind of hiding his torment because mm-hmm. that was like the only person in his life that actually gave a damn about him (laughs) really so
0: yeah Yeah. i was just thinking about how originally patty jenkins was supposed to direct this movie and then eventually i think she wanted to do more with the jane character and they're like and this is a thor movie not a jane movie uh and so then they hired alan taylor who sounded awesome because you got one of the you know one of the top directors for game of thrones and the wire coming to do your your movie about Thor, which is the most medieval that the MCU gets. Yeah. It's just interesting to imagine that alternate world. And it turns out Alan Moore has not had a great film career.
1: (laughs) Some people are just better at TV. I mean, long form works for them or just like dipping into an episode and then, you know, kind of dipping out doing other projects, other TV projects works for them better. Like I said, I think this
0: movie varies on whether or not I'm watching the movie, how much I like it. I, I, I'm probably going to land firmly in like really low side of okay. you know, Maybe on the border of dislike it. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think when I'm watching it, I don't actively hate it. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I think we're on the opposite of that. Like when I watch it, I'm like, uh, I guess like the only time I watch it is for doing a chronological watch or we're watching all the films. Like, I guess I have to watch it.
0: Yeah, I'm but... pretty much the same way. That's, that's why I'm pretty sure I've only seen it the three times. Once when it came out, and then once uh, leading up to Endgame, and then once when I was writing the 2020 Hindsight articles for Sif Pop, which I'll talk about later, because there's some specific ones I want to mention from a movie. So I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about one of the most highly regarded movies in the MCU. Uh, let's talk about Captain America. Oh, I could can,
1: I can literally do this all day. Like... <laughs> <laughs> You like it, love it, hate it. It's like, you think it's just okay. Uh, I love it. It's amazing. This is, uh, funny story is, this is actually my top 10 of all time uh, films, period. I thought uh, that was I thought that was the case. I have a hot take on this. I actually think this is a better film than The Dark Knight. I think it has an overall better cast. It doesn't just stand up on one performance. I feel like it's more of a, a stronger ensemble. And, and also just the pacing is just phenomenal, this film-like.
0: Okay. Uh, well, and this is the uh, Russo Brothers intro to the MCU as well. It is. I understand some people saying that this is the best MCU movie or their favorite MCU movie. I was never that way, though. I am in the Loved It category, but I'm probably on the low side of Loved It. It's great. Uh, Chris Evans is perfect, and I think by this time, he's definitely really hit his stride as to who Captain America is. Because, you know, in... The first Avenger, you know, he he's a caricature because he's meant to be that way. And in Avengers, yeah. you see him struggling, but he's meant to be struggling to figure out who he is. And I think this is the one where he really kind of finds himself. I think the addition of Falcon is great. I think Anthony Mackey yeah. is great as Falcon. I was really bummed that we didn't get to see him much at all until fr- between uh, Winter Soldier and I guess Civil War. He had a pretty big role in, but I, I don't think I'm quite willing to go with your Dark Knight thing just yet well I mean it,
1: it is it is a hot take because cause I'm not saying dark Knight dark Knight's a phenomenal film too this would be like literally just like edging it over so slightly and not like like oh it's 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 so much better than you know what i mean it's it's nothing like that it's just i guess well and i'm and I'm on the record for saying
0: that i I do think the dark Knight is overrated when people are talking about probably the best movie in the last 20 years like no I don't think it is <laughs> like I could name 30 films that I think are better in the since 2000 you know seven. Uh, since I know Dark Knight came out in 2008, I think I can I can name plenty of movies that I think mm-hmm. are better. I'm not quite ready to go there. uh I think I think a lot of this movie really works. It's maybe a little long. Gosh, I think a lot of my issues with uh, some of my issues with this movie are from the trailer, you know? Because of course, when you have a character die, um you have to show a funeral scene, but not the actual person. And so everybody's speculating on who it's going to be. And then when it's somebody like Nick Fury, they're like, Nah, Nick Fury's not dead. He's coming back by the end of this movie. If they killed like Maria Hill, I'd have been like, Sure. She's dead. <laughs> or like, you know, they do that bait and switch in Civil War where it's like somebody's gonna die. It's like it's Peggy Carter. Like <laughs> <laughs> maybe some of my issues are there. I think this is this is pretty fun. They hit the tone pretty right. Some of the some of the action sequences between Cap and Bucky are awesome, specifically the one when uh when there's the reveal of, of Bucky. Mm-hmm. I think that's an awesome
1: scene. I think it's called so. the the causeway scene or the or I guess you can call it like the freeway scene, but definitely yeah. That, that whole sequence is so shot so well. And, yeah. and the fact that they did all that, nearly did all their own stunts and a lot of stuff is in camera, it really helps. Yeah, those those two were just phenomenal. I, I will say one other thing, and that's this
0: is the Russo brothers' first entry into the MCU, and also kind of their first action movie. Um, mm-hmm. They'd really only done like Community and Arrested Development and stuff like that before this. Well, they haven't really ventured into action, and I do yeah. think this is the clear start when the mcu does do the really close-up choppy editing you know i i do think it gets better over time i do think that it's still not perfect it's it's really jarring watching it now specifically that scene there's some cool brief moments but then there's like seven or eight different cuts in three seconds Mm. and it's 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 a bit much but i think story-wise this is great and again so thinking about why can't cap just call the avengers well Cap is a wanted fugitive for most of this movie, as well as this whole movie takes place over, uh, you know, in, in three days, like no way they could assemble the Avengers this quickly. So, you know, so like there's, I think there is good reason why this needs to be a standalone adventure. And obviously Thor is because he spends very little time on earth. Yeah. he does in the UK and he's not on earth for very long.
1: And I don't know who would help him in that situation. There wasn't a proper tool for the job. You know what I mean? And and, and also, I mean, Chronologically, like some of these people have other things going on at the same time or relatively at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. So, yeah,
0: or they're dealing with the aftermath, or you know, exactly. the buildup is happening. So, I think so much of this movie works. I I can understand why this is people's favorite movie in the MCU. It's it's just not mine. It never was, and I don't think it ever will be. Yeah, that's fair. and but it's not to say it's not a knock on this movie at all. It's just it. it I, I would have said the Avengers when this movie came out. And then afterwards, I would have said probably Iron Man for a while, but I don't. I don't know. This, this is my top one hundred of all time. I think the only ones we have talked about so far are definitely Iron Man's up there. Maybe the Avengers is in there as well. It probably should be. It's probably it though. What? 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 Are, is there anything else you want to talk about? I know you really
1: love this movie. So yeah, I can. I can kind of go on and on about this movie, but I mean, just just everything kind of fires on all cylinders in this in this film for me. Um, sure. I think also it was kind of like they're more or less dipping their toe further into doing subgenres within, uh within yeah. the comic genre. I mean, Thor kind of does that, but it's kind of, it's kind of more lazy. Whereas this is like, this clearly has a political thriller type of touch to it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. This um, really has like a, gosh, like a late seventies. I mean, Robert Redford but, in the
1: cast. Yeah, have, this yeah, feels... Robert Redford, you know what I mean? I mean, spoiler alert as, you know, right. as the villain and it's, it's pretty amazing because he usually would play, the Steve Rogers character in these type of films.
0: Yeah. And Iron Man three is very much a character piece and very much a, a a detective story. Um, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier and yeah, spy
1: movie too. Like, like you said, the segment where he has to make all his own gadgets and like, yeah, layers to it.
0: I, I would like more movies in this tone. Um, I would like more of this, like spy undercover backdoor. Like I would like more movies kind of set in this tone. I mean, I know civil war is kind of like that, for a little bit, but Civil yeah. War is more like a big bombastics espionage movie. Or I, mean, I, I, I mean, let's be honest; it's
1: it's Avengers one point. You know what? Yeah,
0: I a, know there's a lot of news recently about Chris Evans maybe coming back as Captain America, and like, yeah. look, I am not opposed at all to, to Chris Evans coming back, but what I don't want is for him to come back into the present timeline in the present day. I would love to see some Chris Evans as Captain America during the Cold War, doing this kind of stuff. I would be 100% here for that. Make that a Disney Plus show, and I am so down. But I'm just not interested in any more 20, 2000s
1: cap. Yeah, if, if, if he were to come back in the present day, I would, would want him to be more or less like he was in the comics when he uh, had the serum, dream from his body. He was yeah. an advisor. He was the commander of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, he could kind of be almost like a Batman Beyond type of thing where he kind of like is in Sam's ear, like kind of guiding him and helping him out because yeah. he can't be on the field any longer. If they're going to go that route, but if they're going to go into the past, yeah, a friend of uh, me, and my best friend, were talking about this. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if it was just like him, you know, living out his life with Peggy and like him going on certain missions or like certain you know, parts of his life. Uh, so it's funny that you brought that up. I think that's what a lot of people want. Well, I but again,
0: I kind want... of I kind of want that Cold War era, though, because like, you know, I don't really want, you know, going back to World War Two.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't want I don't want that for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and he's gotten old enough that, I mean, he like, he's, doesn't look terribly old, and he's not even terribly old. He's, he's late 30s, maybe like 37, 38, somewhere around there. Like, I, I feel like you could just easily, you know, either put a little bit less makeup on him or maybe put a little bit more to age him up five or 10 years. Yeah. And have him in the Cold War era. He uh,
1: he ages slower than regular people do. He's yeah, yeah, better. yeah. So like, you know, like you said, you can do a slight, a little bit of aging, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be anything drastic. Well,
0: and maybe that's where, maybe that's where you can get an explanation of he, you know, he ages slower than everybody does, but is super old by the time that 2020, I guess that's 2025. And I guess if he went back to the 40s, he's probably already. I think he's like,
1: he's like in his hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I, think I that when, he, when he comes back.
0: Yeah, that'd make him close to a hundred. So. But with modern science, everybody lives to a hundred. Yeah, let's let's start talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, I sure. really love this movie. In hindsight, I probably would I probably think this was my favorite MCU movie for the longest time. Even though I would claim Iron Man or uh, the first Iron Man, and this is part of the reason too why I said Captain America never was and never had a chance to be my favorite MCU movie. Mm-hmm. Because these came out a couple months apart, and yeah. gosh, I, I saw Guardians three times in the theaters, and immediately bought it, and saw... This this is probably the MCU movie I've seen the most.
1: Sorry. I mean, I don't blame um, you. It's super entertaining, and it just the characters yeah. like are amazing. <laughs> Where do you fall on the scale? Oh, I love Guardians of the Galaxy on just about every level I could think of. Uh It's actually yeah. my wife's favorite um, MCU film. Uh, okay. She loves Groot of all shapes and forms, mainly Baby yeah. Groot, but... I love both Guardians of the Galaxy. I actually like them both equally. Um, and I have reasons behind why why I like them both in that, in that, sure. that respect. But yeah, it's a, it's a terrific film. It's scored terrifically. I, I wouldn't even call it a score, call it a soundtrack. But even the main Guardians of the Galaxy theme, it's pretty amazing because it's very close to the Avengers theme, but it's slightly different. And yeah. Those differences make it like, really pop for me for some reason.
0: Yeah. This is for sure in my top 100 of all time. That's the other one I forgot. Well, I didn't forget about it, but we hadn't gotten there yet, so...
1: I, I would um, toss it there too. It's somewhere in like the fifties for me.
0: Yeah, I think it cool. was like forties. Um, I have this somewhere around Moneyball, so like late thirties, early forties. Um, I, I, I think this, the the humor works so perfectly. The cast works so perfectly mm-hmm. together. The the creative brain of James Gunn was exactly what was needed for, um, for this. But also, I think look, I love gun's work on here but i do think that james gunn is one of those people that you either need to embrace silly and ridiculous or you need to have somebody like kevin feige kind of yeah and like i'm not trying to say there's <laughs> interference I'm, I'm pretty sure gunn has been pretty outspoken about he's gotten to do pretty much what he wants but at least a creative team of people like kevin feige and uh you know the writing staff at the mcu to to really help uh, help the creative process that gunn has because uh, I don't really like any of Gun's standalone stuff. Um, I, I don't like Slither, and I I, 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 like used, to, I, I used to like uh, Super, and I I don't like Super anymore. But I think Guardians is is just exceptional, and this is also, gosh, I never knew that a, that a superhero movie could make me cry until I saw Guardians, and this oh, movie gosh. makes this, this movie makes me cry three times every single time I watch it because. Yeah. There's the very beginning of the movie where the mom is dying of cancer, and if you don't cry it there, then you're just not human, or you don't yeah, know what anybody. Or
1: you know, like you know, feel some type of empathy for this kid. You know what I mean? It's
0: yeah, totally yeah. Uh, but then, uh, then I cry again when Groot chooses to sacrifice himself. Yep. Um, and I and I do <laughs> I do firmly believe that's entirely because of the music. I think the score there is just excellent and it lingers just long enough to, to pull a tear out of me. And then after the dance off and after the big last thing, um, there's a shot of Rocket who is holding twigs and crying yep. and that gets me because Rocket is such a like stale, gruff character this whole time who's not vulnerable at all. And all of a sudden we see him mourning and weeping and
1: it's it's just powerful. Um, so yeah, this this movie makes me cry. For sure. Yeah, it's just uh, like, uh, yes. Yeah, so to, to go back more to the end when he's still, like, like crying, like holding the twigs and then he doesn't even respond to uh, Drax like petting him. Normally he would snap at somebody, but he's like embracing it because somebody's like trying to comfort him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just thinking about certain scenes in the movie, it like makes me like kind of like tear up a little bit. So we can, <laughs> we can move on a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, it's, it's a terrific film. It's in the, my top comic book movies of all time. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, I own merch for it. I own a Yondu hot toy. I own a Starlord hot toy. Like, that whole relationship is beautiful. So, yeah, yeah, I can't say yeah. more enough good things about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I, I, mean, I vaguely said the cast, but gosh, I mean, <laughs> there's nobody better at casting than the MCU. Nope. I mean, ex- except, <laughs> except for maybe um, whoever was in charge of casting the Star Trek reboot in 2009, but gosh, <laughs> this movie is the full, because, like, obviously Robert Downey Jr. is terrific, and Cap- and Chris Evans wound up being terrific, but, like, if you didn't believe that they were casting perfectly by the time you get to Guardians, like, I would have never thought Bautista, I mean, like, obviously The Rock turned uh, a career from his his wrestling days, but, like, I don't know, the Rock started off doing a lot of silly stuff and a lot of, right. you know, or, or like some kids movies that he 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 like earned his way in and ba- Bautista and like Bautista's had a great career since then and he's even had some like pretty dramatic stuff. He doesn't have a big role in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but he's got a
1: he's integral, like he's a yeah, big part of
0: it. <laughs> exactly, and it, and he's very different from Drax. So you know, you add that and you add Bradley Cooper, but as a voice who sounds nothing like Bradley Cooper, he sounds nothing like him. <laughs> And you and you hire Vin Diesel to voice a tree, yeah. <laughs> I mean, which makes sense because the Iron Giant just saying one, you know, several words that can bring a tear out of you,
1: you know. Right, just a, just that, an inflection in the voice, you know. What I mean, that's all it takes. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, Chris Pratt is a, is the standout here for sure. Especially like I love this was right about the time that Parked and Rec was kind of like. Nearing the end, and I love Parks and Rec so much with all my heart. And I love how they like they make a lot of jokes because obviously he's he's turning from kind of pudgy Andy in Parks and Rec to to Star Lord, and they make some jokes about it in Parks and Rec. And like <laughs> one of the best jokes in that show because the context is because he's beefing up for Guardians. That at one point they just mention, I think he takes off his shirt, and they just mention like, "Wow, Andy, like you look you look so good now." He's like, "Yeah, just stop drinking beer."
1: i wish it was that easy right
0: (laughs) right (laughs) he he is the standout he is by far my favorite part of this movie and again like who would have thought that chris pratt could be such a great emotional actor too because you need somebody that can pull out those scenes to make you you feel for the rest of the characters. And I mean, up until this point, he had done... He had a brief role in Wanted in the intro of that. Yeah. And he had done, um, obviously, the Parks and Rec. But he doesn't have emotional moments in Parks and Rec until, like, season six and seven. So he really, really, really uh, just knocked this out of the park. Crushed it.
1: Yeah, I think so, too.
0: All right, now we'll get to another divisive movie in the MCU. Uh, how do you feel about Age of Ultron? You like it, love it, hate it, just like it, think it's just okay?
1: I like it. I'm, like, somewhere in the middle with it. I probably see, like, a seven, maybe a seven, five. Uh, I'll probably go with seven, but uh, there's things I really enjoy about it. Uh, Another biased thing about it, the most uh, screen time goes to Captain America. So, you know, I (laughs) got to like, you know, a majority of it. His scenes are super enjoyable. A lot of Tony's scenes are super enjoyable. There's a lot to really like, like, and and love about it. But there's certain aspects that like, uh, it's kind of a poor choice of writing, like the whole kind of banner and, Natasha thing like I feel like that was very like not sensitive how they wrote that how she compares herself to a monster because you know she cannot reproduce I know where they were trying to go with that because she kills people for a living but some things are kind of like kind of tasteless or like the hide the zucchini joke like I'm like that's pretty bad yeah but uh, the third act is really great there are things to really enjoy about this film and kind of latch on to I feel like everybody gets a good amount of screen time uh, they kind of to kind of flesh out their their character a bit, but um yeah overall I think it's it's pretty good. it's not great. I left the theater
0: very disappointed, probably <laughs> in the probably in the okay category uh That's and then fair. I watched it again and i um a couple uh like when it came out on release, and I was like i'm probably on the high side of okay now uh yeah. and then I watched it again a couple years later and i am i think i think i'm gonna say I'm on the low side of love this movie. Um, okay. and here here is why i think the more this movie ha- has distance i'm willing to overlook some of the things um i f- cannot say i'm firmly in love this or that i very very like i really love this movie it's very obvious this is about as bad as disney ever gets with studio interference um at least yeah. at least for the <laughs> Like i'm not trying to say that they're not yeah that they're not especially you know, like star wars stuff but right. this is about as far as kevin feige ever put his foot down Specifically, I think of the Ragnarok scene, and it just doesn't fit, especially with when Ragnarok comes out and it winds up being a comedy instead of a a dark (laughs) movie. It's not
1: exactly what I thought it was going to (laughs) be,
0: right? And like hearing Idris Elba's stories, and yeah, I mean, yeah, you wasted Idris Elba in a franchise, and. Uh, and that's a sin, but there are definitely some things. And you mentioned the, the, the Natasha struggling with something, but I, I do think that adds a good depth to her character. Um, especially the, her kind of change in perspective throughout the movie where it's more so like this was done to me and can't, I can't let that happen to anybody else. This is my motivation for, for being who I am. the The reason why I think I'm in love with this movie is I think this, this not civil war, not anything is the most essential for the entire phase three, specifically with infinity war and Endgame. especially watching it post end game. When's the last time you seen this movie?
1: Oh, uh, pre- pretty recently. Uh, like I said, okay. I went through and I watched them all in chronologic order. That's right. That's right.
0: So this is where I wanted to bring up, you know, I got a big break in Sif pop. Um, I was doing the BECs. And then when end game came out, it's, it's not a spoiler to say, I don't think end game is my favorite movie in the MCU. Uh, and it's it's a lot of because I think Endgame perfectly ties together all the previous 22 movies and it manages to, again, do something like give purpose to Thor the Dark World. And I think that when watching Age of Ultron, again, this was the one where uh, the you know, the vision that they they tease that there was a post credit scene in this movie, which notoriously there wasn't. But I do really think Kevin Feige was alluding to um, the the vision that Wanda gives to Tony. Is the post-credit scene because you see um, Hulk riddled, riddled with arrows, you see Black uh, Black Widow kind of dead, lying on the floor in a very similar position to when she dies on Vormir. Um, yep. Hawk, Hawkeye is defeated, but he's still breathing, um, uh, and Cap's shield is broken in two pieces, which is exactly how it splits um when when Thanos crushes it, as well as the line where he says, you could have saved us, why didn't you do us. more to Tony? Yeah. It perfectly puts Tony in the headspace for what he needs to do in Endgame. And that's like that's just the tip of the iceberg. Anybody can go to sifpop.com and search uh, 20-20 hindsight and can read all my articles that I've written on any of these, but there is none that I found more interesting than Age of Ultron. I mean, because there's even little things like Cap slightly nudges Mjolnir, um, which is a tiny tease for something that happens later. I,
1: I don't, and uh, I mean, not to take us off uh, tangent, but I don't think he slightly nudges it. I have, uh, I have a theory about it.
0: Oh, the, the theory that he actually could lift it, but didn't out
1: of humility. Did out of humility? I, I mean, Thor is like Thor is like his bestie. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to like embarrass him in front of his friends. Plus, he knows that Thor is full of pride, and he doesn't want to crush that in front of him. So sure. That, that's, yeah. and the Russo's confirmed it, so uh I'm gonna take it as canon. <laughs> yep.
0: Well, and you get the you get Tony's line saying we're Avengers, we can bust arm dealers all day, but that yep. up there, that's the end game. I mean, obviously because game. he says end game, but he knows exactly what's coming. I mean, obviously doesn't know exactly, but he, he, he he's right. <laughs> and this movie does a great job of setting up the distrust that Tony and Cap start having toward, and it starts that divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you could see it start in, in Avengers as well, but really starts to actually drive these two people away from each other um, so that civil war can happen, so that it is realistic that the Avengers lose in Infinity War. There is so much small stuff that leads perfectly into Endgame.
1: So yeah, Ulysses Claw too. So it introduces you to you know a villain that's going to come up, pop up in another film. It, it uh, introduces you to not not completely to Wakanda, but you know what Wakanda is. You know what vibranium is. You know that there's more of it out there. But like you said, there's there's plenty there's plenty here. Even if you don't generally like the film, there's so many little tidbits and connections to other films that are going to come down the pipeline. I yeah. think that, I think that's like the strongest thing about it. It's like, it does a great job of doing that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's why I've grown to love this movie. There, there's definitely some issues I have with it. It's definitely a little too long. Um, I don't super buy into the Quicksilver character. And a lot of that's because this came out like either, like I think a year after days of future past, I think
1: i think uh, so yeah i think it was or
0: like... maybe the same year gosh i i much prefer evan peter's version and I especially agree. especially his scene you know, breaking magneto out like oh yeah
1: that, that's this iconic scene
0: <laughs> right uh and you know especially kind of his fun take on the character as opposed to the aaron taylor johnson's take which it's what the script demanded um and i don't think he's the problem with the movie it's just yeah. especially he's he he doesn't really have too much character stuff, and and then he dies, and
1: it's about it. Um, and I, I guess like the only thing that his death really accomplishes it adds a lot of depth to to Wanda, and adds a lot of it, it strengthens that bond between her and and Clint. So uh, that's really it, it, all it really does. But he's he's really not that important, to, you know. It, in it it also redeems him for sure. Yes. Um and I think.
0: And I think it gives Hawkeye a little bit more of a heartfelt moment. It makes him a little bit more human seeing his reaction, especially since Hawkeye has been the one picking on him. But there's also some really cool visuals, like the the scene where they're at the Citadel and they're all like in a circle defeating all these tons of Ultrons, it's defending like the one thing that it's like, that it's like Ultron just can't touch it. And like, look, I believe in the Avengers. <laughs> I believe in Harvey Dent, all that good stuff. <laughs> 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 but I do not believe that the Avengers could have, ha- could have kept one of those Ultrons from just touching the thing. I-, I think it was very smart that Whedon decided not to go for Thanos right away. But instead, he knew we need to build up more to get to Thanos. And I do think studio pressure drove him away from to not, do, not, not come back for Infinity War and Endgame. But I cannot imagine what Infinity War and Endgame would have looked like if Whedon had not done Age of Ultron.
1: Well, but like you said, it just adds so much further... Uh, As far as characterization goes right you you talked about like it it was starting of the cracks right between Tony and Steve I wouldn't even say it starts here but it definitely magnified I feel like it started in the first Avengers film but they kind of squashed a bit of that because they realized how integral they were to each other like they're both leaders on the field in different respects. But the, yeah, I feel like this was like, you betrayed me. Like you did this thing behind our backs. You created this AI. And now it's going crazy. Like, what are you doing? You're Like, you're pretty much the greatest villain in the MCU. You, you're doing this yourself. Like, yeah. So, I mean, you're almost making me want to bump it to an eight. I usually <laughs> flounder between eight or seven with this. But yeah, certain things kind of bother me about it, but uh, definitely it's connection, it's strong connective tissue is what keeps me wanting to watch it. Well, and as
0: just me being me, I'm I'm usually willing to forgive more, more things, especially when I don't know that it's one person's fault or I don't know that it's specifically like the director's fault. I cannot overlook something like The Predator. Uh, but I'm okay. not gonna knock I'm not gonna knock that against Shane Black. I do put it on his record obviously but like I'm not gonna say Shane Black is the problem of predator. Um, it's obviously studio interference and, probably, uh, probably
1: hugely studio interference it just it felt like it yeah
0: but you know, but at the same time or you take you take the the likes of something like the DCEU like to me there is no creative head. Batman versus Superman is very much Snyder's film and I just cannot buy into that. <laughs> um yeah so i i'm willing so I'm willing to forgive a little bit more when it's not just we' decided to do something right uh i will just leave that at that so i'm 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 a little bit more willing to forgive, but yeah, I think when I walked out i would have I would have said probably a six of the theater and now i'm I'm probably at like either an eight or a nine, one of the two, depending on my mood
1: yeah i do I do think it gets better though on sequential watches and with like you said with the events that led up to you're like, oh wow, this really kind of like really connect this is like the bridge that connected everything. Yeah, of, I think I've only time. seen it.
0: I think I've only seen it four times, maybe five. Uh, I think but I've definitely it
1: twelve times or something like that. Some uh, tens.
0: I've definitely loved it each more I've watched it, but definitely leading up to and leading up to Endgame when I did my or Infinity War, I think leading up to Infinity War or Endgame, one of the two, as well as watching it after. Uh, both those times were greatly because I could see exactly what Joss Whedon and Feige were setting up. It was right in front of our eyes the whole time. Uh, we got one last to talk about uh, the odd end of phase two. For some reason, Ant-Man is the end of phase three. And like, I kind of understand, but I also kind of don't. <laughs> so we just got to talk about it, Ant-Man. Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay?
1: Uh, I actually really like it. I think I go around like eight five. I, I love like heist films. Like I like Ocean's Eleven. I like you know Ocean's Eight. Those type of films or or, or anything in that, in that mix in that realm, soderbergh wise. I guess Logan Lucky too. Let's toss that in there because that, that, oh, yeah. that film's great.
0: Well, you know, Inside okay. Man. And,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. It both goes on like. Oh yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. He Yep. You know, he 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 yeah. not more on the more in the serious tone, but yeah, I love I love me some heat. I really love this movie.
0: There is something about it. I know exactly what it is. It's 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 Paul Rudd. <laughs> and
1: he's amazing, and, and like his his buddies, like that whole like having Ti. They gave him like the right material to, to kind of work with like some great jokes. Uh, I don't know who the actor is, but he's a he's a pretty like familiar character actor. He's hilarious as like his Russian friend, the and guy then,
0: that in the second movie keeps on being afraid of the the Bobby Vega. Yeah, the uh, and then you know, he's also uh, he's also in the uh, the Dark Knight. He's, uh... Yeah, that's the
1: first time I saw him. I think it was in Dark Knight as the so, like, yeah. Stooge, kind of kind of left out to kind of uh, blow in the wind, um, so to speak. But if you don't love Luis, like I, we can't even talk. Th- that dude is amazing. Like his storytelling is ridiculous. Like I want him to retell all of the MCU. I just want I'll listen to that. I'm kind of surprised Marvel
0: didn't do that recapping before Endgame. Like I totally thought that was going to happen.
1: hilarious. <laughs>
0: Uh, David Dots Malkian is the guy's name. He's in The Dark Knight and Prisoners. He's gonna be in Dune, apparently. Yeah, he
1: was in Blade Runner 2049. Blade he Runner 2049.
0: Been... Yeah, uh, the Flash. Yeah, lots of good stuff.
1: I want
0: the alternate universe where Edgar Wright gets to make this movie the way he wants to. <laughs> I yeah. very much think that, that would have been that would have made it my favorite MCU movie. Given all that, I was really afraid when this movie is gonna come out because of all of the and I, I don't think that Wright left on bad terms, at least I don't think he's been vocal about it. Uh, I think he's just like, I wanted to make this movie and Marvel wa- just wanted to, to tinker with my vision and I just wasn't interested in that. Um, so I walked, I don't, I don't think he was fired. I think he, I think he just didn't want to compromise his creative mm-hmm. vision. I could be wrong about that. This is all off memory. Um, I, and think,
1: prob- I think he just left a, he left the project due to creative differences. I don't I, right. I don't, I don't fire at
0: all. Yeah. Which like, gosh, I think it's
1: a screen, uh, screenplay credit. So I
0: it's a screenplay credit. Yeah. But like, I also like, I get like the MCU, I think is the exception because they're trying to build something to a point, to a collective point. They're trying to make something work together. So it's very much like a TV show. Like yeah. you have to work within these realms and, Gosh, I am so upset that Scott Derrickson isn't doing Doctor Strange 2. I'm a little upset uh, by that, too.
1: I'm not going to lie. I'm
0: really upset by it. But at the same time, like, Raimi's not a bad <laughs> follow-up. So. It's not
1: a bad replacement.
0: I'd much rather have the Derrickson one. And I'd much rather have Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. Uh, which, from my understanding, from things that have come out from clips of interviews and whatnot uh, kind of i think the breaking point was right didn't want the breaking into the avengers facility scene and feige wanted that to connect it into the larger mcu and it's like, it. like i totally get that right wants to make the movie he wants to make and i have nothing but respect for the guy
1: that scene i love that scene <laughs> i could imagine yeah the
0: with that i mean i don't necessarily love it but i just i want to i want to know what's the world where his ant-man actually gets made and i i think this is great too and i could see his fingerprints all over it and adam mckay you know when he was still kind of in the zone um still doing like you know, the other guys and stepbrothers and Anchorman, things like that. You know, he brings that charm. But he's also like getting into like the big short and vice and stuff like that. So I think he can handle a little bit more. And the, the casting is perfect again. I mean, and I love how they incorporate both Hank Pym and Scott Lang. Completely unfamiliar with both characters before the movie was announced. And it's excellent. <laughs> I
1: it made a lot of sense they went with Scott Lang because he's kind of more favorable in, as far as like the Ant-Man character goes. Like usually the go-to Ant-Man is usually Scott Lang. Because a lot of well, people think, don't like them. <laughs> I think they also thought
0: about like, well, we already have Ruffalo or the Banner and and Downey. We don't need another brainsy guy. That's true. And soon, and soon they'll have Mister Fantastic. So
1: yeah,
0: I think this is a good movie overall. But I think Paul Rudd just makes this movie so much fun and so lovable. It's <laughs> he's the it's gotta be one of the most watchable mcu movies for sure this is my mom's favorite mcu movie and i think she's only seen it the once or twice but she had such a good time during it she loves paul Rudd just like me like she could not stop talking about ant-man i, guess, right here.
1: I love when the kids trying to order hot food and a bunch of food they don't have at baskin robbins he's just like yep. hey uh, can you take care of this idiot and he just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like paul Rudd stuff that really like it just makes me yeah.
0: laugh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I do think they probably gave him freedom to improvise on set because when you that cast somebody good. like Paul Rudd, you know, when you when you cast somebody like Bill Hader, you got to just let them be them and yeah. uh when you, when you cast Ryan Reynolds, you know. So it's, same thing with Deadpool. I think Deadpool minus Ryan Reynolds is a pretty good movie, but Ryan Reynolds makes that those movies just excellent. Um, yeah, without him um, it
1: wouldn't be the same.
0: I think that that Paul Rudd deserves just as much credit. And I love the humor in this movie. This the scene Where they're fighting with the train set and it's like blowing up and everything, and then they zoom out. That type of humor is right up my alley. Like Abby and I recently watched the Night at the Museum trilogy. For what those movies are, they're they're totally they're totally fine. But every single one of them makes the same exact joke where you have the the cowboy and uh, Octavius, or Jedediah, Jedediah and Octavius doing something that looks epic when you look at their size, but then you zoom out. (laughs) Like in the first movie, they're leaking the air out of a tire of a van, and it looks so epic up close. They do that same joke in all three movies, and it makes me cackle all three times. It's a good gag, right? So, and so same thing with the train sequence. I think that that sequence is just hilarious.
1: Right, <laughs> Wright so, wrote that for sure. That, that yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, that's something he well, would do.
0: And this is the difference. We'll talk about it here coming up another month. But this is the difference why Ant-Man and the Wasp is just not as good. But I really, really, really love Ant-Man. But I think there's such a creativity. And it's almost one of those, like, and we'll talk about this again. But when you think of the Ant-Man comics, how do you bring that into the MCU and actually make it great? And the fact that it was able to be done... Like and, and the same way with Doctor Strange. How on earth do you do a story like that in the MCU? Guardians, and like a Guardians, and a, get, Guardians, Guardians, exactly. And guess what? They
1: got, they got awesome. the
0: right writers, they got the right actors, and they got the right directors, and they got Kevin Feige. Yeah. Well, Kevin Feige and team. Feige gets a lot of credit for a lot of people that work under him <laughs> as well. He
1: puts the right people in the right place. Yeah, yeah. He's like a scout. You know I mean? He's just got a good eye for talent, as far as like getting all these people. Work on certain projects like to kind of work to their strengths well and like i would have never thought about hiring a horror director to direct dr strange but guess what scott derrickson was one of the best picks well <laughs> like, <the, the> dr <laughs> strange uh, is pretty horrific like as far as the comic goes a lot of cosmic horror and stuff so to yeah. me i was like oh this makes sense but the fact that like the mcu by nature is so
0: Light and Doctor Strange is a relatively light movie compared to the source material.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and
0: maybe he wanted to do more horror in Multiverse of Madness, and that's we won't know until way later. Are
1: right, you ready to rank them? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, for are we are we ranking all of them or are we doing phase? Let's
0: just do phase two, and then we'll do all of them. What's your best to worst? Order these in the terms if you like them for for just Phase 2.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Uh, First, I mean, we already kind of touched upon it. Like, so I could probably talk about this and analyze this to death. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier at number one. Uh, number two, I got Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like, uh, you know, they're very close. Um, for number three, I put Ant-Man. For number four, I put Iron Man 3, five, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. And then uh, last, of course, the Thor and Dark World, the big disappointment.
0: Uh, I'm going with Guardians of the Galaxy on top. Uh, nice. Followed by probably Ant-Man and then The Winter Soldier, but that's close. And then we'll go Age of Ultron, Iron Man three, and then Thor: The Dark World. All right, now your whole your whole MCU, which uh, so far Phase one and two, um, so everything up to the end of Ant- Ant-Man. What do you? What's your
1: ranking? All right, let me uh, kind of piece them together. Uh, yeah, Captain America: The Winter Soldier is definitely uh, number one still. It's funny because like the Phase two stuff is going to be still at the top. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number two. Number three, I'd probably put Avengers 2012. Four, I would go Iron Man. Uh, five, I would probably go Captain America the First Avenger. A little biased there. Probably go Ant-Man. go okay. so Iron Man 3. Probably Age of Ultron after that. Then Incredible Hulk. Then Iron Man 2. And then lastly, of course, uh, yeah. Thor. And then Thor the Dark yeah i am gonna
0: go with guardians of the galaxy then iron man then the winter so
1: you you, you probably want to go ant-man right
0: yeah no i I wrote my rankings as we were talking about them but apparently i'm gonna need to make some changes (laughs) Yeah. yeah i'll i'll no i'll go guardians iron man avengers Ant-Man, Winter Soldier, First Avenger, Iron Man 3, no, Age of Ultron, Iron Man 3, Iron Man 2, Thor, Incredible Hulk, Thor the Dark World. That's what I'm going to go with. I I think the only movie I would say I dislike out of this whole group is Thor the Dark World. I would say I like or love the rest of these, and some of these are 10 out of tens for me. You know, Iron Man, Avengers, and Guardians are all 10 out of 10 for me.
1: Yeah, that's great films.
0: Well, hey, let's move on to the B-plot then. Uh, That's kind of almost a good, uh, good segue then um the I, I was thinking about this as i was looking through my movie collection and what are movies that you own that you really just don't like and i feel like a good way to start this is what's what's your criteria to buy a movie
1: uh my criteria usually to buy a movie is usually like if i've rented the movie or if i've seen it at the theaters and i really enjoyed it like even if it's like i find it entertaining in some way um then i'll pick up the blu-ray but but i usually don't blind buy something but the thing is, every time I blind buy something or we just get something because it's on sale, it's usually, we watch it once and then it ends up in the back of the shelf, like we're not watching it again. So, we try not to do that, <laughs> but it happens once.
0: Yeah, do you, uh do you have, how many movies do you own? Do you have like a list somewhere? Or...
1: <laughs> I don't have a list, but we got to have at least over 100 Blu-rays. Oh, okay. Uh, at least, probably, probably more than that, but I've never counted all of them. I keep a Google spreadsheet because it's the, it's the
0: best way. And it's the easiest way for my wife to know what we have as well. Oh, um, I, 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 have, <laughs> I also have combo like Blu-ray plus digital. Mm-hmm. So and my own on one platform, but not the other. So uh, I total is like 1300 for me, but Jeez. I'd say probably 800 of those are Blu-ray. My criteria to buy. And I was, I was even thinking about it. I did the stats the other day. The amount of movies that I own that I haven't seen is only about, I think 15%. I did a percentage. I think it's only about 15%, which still wound up being 150 movies. (laughs) Like, had never seen at all. (laughs) Quite a a list
1: you can put compiled in.
0: That's true. Yeah. Well, so so here's my criteria for to buy something is that I have to have a good time. Like, I have to really like the movie and see myself watching it several times. I don't typically buy movies when they come out. Um, like, immediately, I typically wait for a sale. Uh, I prefer physical. I've been pretty pretty open about that. But I typically wait for a sale, unless it's a movie that I just love, love, love. Like, Knives Out or the MCU yeah. stuff, typically. Or, or unless, like, I, I collect steelbooks from Best so Buy. But again, because that's the $35 to get the 4K steelbook, like, I have to really love the movie to get it. So, like, I did for Knives Out, and I do for the MCU ones. And But at this point, it's because... All of my MCU ones are 4K steelbooks, so I'm not gonna stop now. So yeah, it's just kind of kind of along those lines. That's my criteria to buy, although. I'm willing to spend a couple bucks, you know, or whatever, to buy movies that somebody's recommended. Like so, I said I bought Mandy because you said it was so good, and it was a Black Friday sale. It was like eight bucks for the Blu-ray or something like that. It wasn't terrible. Not bad. Yeah. So, so something like that. But I do not blind buy new releases that I haven't seen at, for the full price. Um, I just don't. The last time I did that was The Martian, but which like was amazing i love the martian that's a good um, Right. <laughs> well, I love it. But, but i'd not heard anybody say anything less than this is an amazing movie you know and, and i was in college and lots of people were talking about how great it is and it's just it is great so i mean I, i've done some pre-orders on voodoo but i don't necessarily consider that because those are typically like 14.99 that's not quite you know a full price thing like i pre-ordered uh I pre-ordered Freaky, which I hadn't seen. I, I don't know that I consider that. But anyway, that's kind of the criteria to buy. But uh, it's really a movie I have to enjoy and see myself watching more. I'm, I'm pretty easy to get me to buy something I'd rather buy than rent. But because I buy a lot, I, I try to be cautious with how much I spend. So um, naturally, there's going to be some movies that I own that I don't like. I'll kick us off here. I have five listed. And what I decided to do, I have I own more than five movies that I don't like. but. <laughs> I, I I decided to break them down into five distinct categories. So I gave a example for each of the five that I think is fun. I will I will start off by saying Solo, a Star Wars story. I've been pretty open about, there is only two Star Wars movies I would say I dislike. And it's Rise of Skywalker and Solo. I pretty much like to love, or I do like to love the rest of them. Love most of them. But the reason for this one is I'm a completionist. Now, I'm not a completionist on every category like i i don't own the fifth Die Hard and i never will um i don't own the first two mission impossibles and i don't plan on it i don't own all oh, the x-men movies yeah. i am a completionist i own all the 007 movies i own all the uh star wars all the mcu i'm if, if there's a franchise that i really love i will even buy the ones that i dislike
1: <laughs> like thor dark world Ex-
0: yeah exactly like thor <laughs> Dark World could,
1: could be in this category as well sure um,
0: so, what about you? What's the first one you want to kick off with?
1: Uh, I only have like a few, but uh, the one I wanted to kind of like mention, and I was asking my wife about this, I'm like, what is what is like one movie that we regret buying, or like whatever? And she immediately said, "Epic, uh, the animated film by Blue Sky Studios." And I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense. I think I'm gonna go with that." We watched it once. I thought it was pretty terrible. Really, wasn't a whole lot about it that was. It felt really very derivative. Like it was aiming to be something like a DreamWorks film or a Disney film or a Pixar film, like, but it lacks any of the depth or the, you know, the heart that those films have. You know what I mean? Like this structure that makes them meaningful and makes you want to rewatch them. Like Epic has really none of that. It looks pretty, uh, but that's (laughs) about it. Beyonce's in it and she's a, a great performer and a great singer dancer would not but she is not an actor and voice acting is even harder it definitely shows that she doesn't have the chops for it sure
0: i'm gonna go next i'm gonna i'm gonna say batteries not included and i bought this movie because i talked about it on the podcast but that's not the reasoning the reasoning why i own this movie is because i either bought it on digital or i redeemed it on digital and when you get it in your cloud library on your voodoo account or whatever it doesn't go away so i i buy a lot of blu-rays but i trade in blu-rays like every now and then when my shelves are getting full i'll be like well what do i not really want or what do i not necessarily need this copy since i already own the digital you know especially i think like comedies are great for that you know it doesn't matter it's not a quality difference uh, especially like if the comedy has the special features in voodoo not all of them most movies don't have special features in there but or like what movie do i just not really want to watch anymore there's a couple stores around me that will take used blu-rays and dvds and i will trade them in when i don't really feel like i want to watch them uh, anymore so uh, but at the same time some of those stores i pick blu-rays are anywhere between five and ten bucks most blu-rays are close to that five like that ain't bad at all and Four Ks or five or fifteen bucks, and that ain't bad at all. Yeah. So, so, that, so that's part of the reason I buy a lot, but I also trade in if I don't like something. Or like, like I, I bought for five bucks at one of those stores. I bought her by Spike Jones. And it's like I like this movie. I just don't see myself watching it anymore, so I traded that one in. I really it's like good. her, but it is kind of a
1: it's kind of a hard film to to kind of rewatch. It's yeah. it's very uh very heavy.
0: Yeah, that's it. Like, I, I really liked it, but I just don't see myself watching it ever again. Requiem for a Dream would be the same way. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so, so battery is not included is my example for it. movies that I own because I bought or redeemed the digital copy. Uh, do you have other ones? I know you oh, said yeah. that was your one prepared one, but prepared like
1: one. But I, I thought of another one too. Was uh, Morgan? Um, I don't know if you've seen this. It's kind of a like, kind of a sci-fi ish type of kind of like thriller movie where they're Morgan? trying to yeah they're trying to like build this, like the perfect human being, like they clone this this girl. And I think the thing that just, that's really irritating about it is like everybody in it is completely idiotic. Like no one is like protecting themselves around this girl. They know what she's capable of. She's basically like the next evolution of like human beings, basically like a human terminator at this point. But they just do the most idiotic things, and just uh, it's just not good. It, it's the type of film that probably would be tailor made for me. I, I really like sci-fi and I really like thriller horror aspects, but it just does nothing really special performances are kind of kind of from like pretty good to being kind of meh seems like no one really wants to be there
0: i remember the poster of this movie that is familiar <laughs> But I think I recognize this looks like a straight-to-DVD copy of a movie like Hannah or something like that, which I, I didn't see. And that's typically not my to kind of movie anyway. Yeah. Uh, my third category, my placeholder visible point is going to be Uncut Gems for no. the reason for the reason that I bought this movie because I want to give it a second chance. I saw it in theaters and hated it, but breaking I picked my, it up.
1: Breaking my heart over here.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, I want I wanted something that would make sense, that would break somebody's heart. Yeah. Yo, uh, there are people out there that love Solo, and there are people out there that love Uncut Gems. I'm not one of them, uh, but
1: uh, for Solo. But I, I totally agree yeah. with you on Solo. It's not good film.
0: So I picked Uncut Gems because I hated this movie, but enough people I know love it, And I think maybe it's I didn't know what I was getting into because I'd never seen a Zafty Brothers film. And maybe I could find myself watching it again. And for Black Friday, it was only eight bucks. Eight bucks ain't bad for a brand new release. So I'm essentially paying eight dollars for a super long term rental as long as I can as long (laughs) as I want it. So, so Uncut Gems because movie I bought because I want to give it another chance just because I think that there's enough people saying this is awesome.
1: Uh, do you have any more? Can't think of any other ones. Like I said, I, I usually prep pretty good when I'm about to buy a movie or, uh, you know, yep. so nothing, nothing yep. really pops out to me uh, as far as anything that's really bad.
0: Uh, all right. So I have two more categories then. One is uh, because the wife brought it with her. Abby doesn't typically buy, uh, buy movies. Uh, she very much is is one of those that um, likes her movies and will watch new ones, but would much rather watch the same 10 or 20 over (laughs) and over again. You know, Big Hero Six and The Last Crusade and Baby Driver and things like like great movies too. And she likes her, you know. Those are all good movies,
1: like really. She loves
0: this movie that I've never heard of called One Small Hitch. Uh, (laughs) But whatever, I'm sure, I'm sure it's bad. I'm sure she's going to make me watch it (laughs) at some point, but that's okay. (laughs) My birthday present to her one year will be I will watch One Small Hitch with you. But anyway, like. (laughs) And I actually, here's the thing. My my wife has actually like a decent taste in movies, like uh, like a good taste in movies. I would say. I mean, she likes her crappy stuff, but she knows it's crappy. Um yeah. And she's fully, but she's fully like, aware. but I <laughs> like it. It's bad, but I like it. You know, same thing with with half the movies I like. Like this ain't good, but I love it. So uh, the example, the placeholder for this one is going to be The Notebook, um, which this is kind of a, a weird one because my wife also doesn't like The Notebook, but it just happened to be like somebody left a it. spare copy or with her or something. It's not, it's really not good. Um, but like a, a more, I thought this movie was just okay. I didn't actually hate it, but she really loves The Host, the one by Stephanie Meyer. Like that's one of her favorite movies. I'm like, this isn't terrible. Um <laughs> But you know, movies that my wife loves that we own, uh, and the last one is because it came in a collection. I could think of several examples for this. Uh, the one I'm picking is Rocky Five. The, the Rocky Five is not a great movie. It's not. It's not terrible. You know, it's it's yeah. just by it's by far the worst of the franchise.
1: It's by far the worst. Like it's not even arguable
0: so i don't think i would own rocky five if i picked them all up individually i think rocky five would be pretty much the only one i didn't buy but yeah you know i like i have a four pack of the 80s and 90s batman movies so like batman and robin would count (laughs) in there i don't think i would buy it unless it came in that pack you know so like that's a that's a pretty easy way to get me to buy a a movie i don't like
1: packed Uh, them all up
0: (laughs) pretty much so that'll do it for for that. So I I thought that was pretty fun because I said limit five. I'm like I own a lot more than five, but I figured let's take let's take five examples. That's a good that's a good example. That's a good way to do that. I I enjoyed
1: hearing your examples just to you know just to see what you had. Good. Yeah,
0: yeah, like I said, there's more and there's a lot more for each of these categories. But I I am happy that that's what we did. So uh, that means we just got the spinoff left to do. And then, and then we can, you know, go home. (laughs) Uh, Spinoff is going to be that one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everyone uh, to watch or to avoid. Joe, I've been talking for a while. How about you? How about you talk about something?
1: I think as far as like, uh, there are actually two films. Uh, One's a remake, a remake slash reimagine. I'm going to go with Suspiria 1977 and Suspiria 2018. My buddy uh, Robbie that I met on Instagram, he kind of like introduced me to kind of Italian horror kind of better known as giallo. The the funny thing is about the both versions of the film, they couldn't be any different. And I think that's what worked out really exceptionally with with both films. Like the original Suspiria is very kind of atmospheric and kind of artsy, kind of fever dreamish. Uh, the plot is kind of like minimal, but it's just a beautiful looking film and 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 very kind of inspirational to the overall slasher genre. And then you get Suspiria 2018, which is more art house kind of like melancholy. It has like a really kind of deeper plot with multiple threads that you kind of like all kind of come together at the end. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much about it. If people want to watch this film, but I I find both intriguing on different levels. So I highly suggest them, especially if you're into the horror genre or if you're into art house uh, film or just filmmaking in general, I think both are exceptional examples in their, their different respects as far as like direction and, uh, Visuals go in cinematography.
0: Man, I think I'm gonna have to watch these movies one day. Like, I I don't I don't like horror, so I don't watch a ton of horror. But I've heard just enough about both of them that, especially now that the initial wave has passed, the initial wave of hate. There's just nothing but people loving on these movies. It's it's funny
1: because like I feel like the initial reception for both was not not the not the best, but those are classics in some respects. Like, but I also feel like when they initially come out,
0: everybody's trying to watch them versus like nobody's trying to watch the spirit yeah same thing with midsommar like everybody no i don't know many people that don't like midsommar but like when midsommar came out like yo there's a difference between all the critics are Blake, watching this and like if, <laughs> like, i haven't seen it um i don't i don't plan on it because i don't think it's my kind of movie i don't think i will like it but that was my favorite
1: movie of 2019
0: nice i i just know it's not going to be for me I, I just don't like horror movies at all and Fair if, if they They've got to do something interesting. All right, Joe, I told you at the start before we started recording. Gosh, I have so many things I could talk about for my spinoff. So I'm going to give you four options and you have to pick of what you want me to talk about. Sure. Do you you want me to talk about my ranking of the Rocky franchise? Because I watched all the Rocky movies in the last week. Do you want me to talk about some old 007 movies? Do you want me to talk about a new release, or do you want me to talk about an early two thousands comedy? Oh, man,
1: I kind of want to hear the uh, the Rocky rankings if I had to go with one.
0: Robert and I talked about uh, the original Rocky two weeks ago for our goats, and I own all the Rocky and Creed movies again because it's part of that collection. Mm-hmm. I knew it was as soon as I watched it. I'm going to watch them all, and that's exactly what happened.
1: <laughs> you so, can't you can't anyway. just watch one.
0: <laughs> I should uh, think I watched both Creed movies today. I watched Creed this morning while Abby was at work, good. and I watched. Creed two this afternoon, so um, I've officially watched them all. Here's my official ranking. Um, I'm gonna go from best to worst, and by the way, get ready for some shockers.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm um, yeah, I'm on the edge of my seat right now.
0: Here we go. I think I think Creed is the best movie of the Rocky franchise. Uh, the first Creed, really liked that movie. It's not perfect. I think I gave it a four and a half out of five, but it's uh, it's really good. Uh, very close behind it is Rocky Balboa. Really oh, enjoyed that.
1: Brought the franchise back.
0: Yep. I look. I think. I think it's a good story. And yeah, it gets a little ridiculous, but I thought it was great. And Stallone has a significant acting jump from Rocky Five to Balboa.
1: He really does. Like,
0: <laughs> he's great in Balboa and beyond. And he's I don't think he's a good actor in any of the original Rockies. Anyway. Then uh so Creed and Rocky Balboa are way up there. Then then there's a then there's a dip. Um, and we're gonna go with Rocky Four. Um, I know that this is like not a great movie, but gosh, it is so much fun. It's fun. Um, and and here's here's probably a shocker after rocky 4 we're going with Rocky 2 I just really liked this one and then behind rocky 2 we're going with Creed 2 definitely far from a perfect movie but and I was about to rank this a lot lower but something about the last like 10 minutes of this movie are just excellent <laughs> this creed 2 is how you do fan service right i agree so, and the first creed is is even better at that's how you do fan service you know with the red white, and blue trunks and all that yep uh, then so 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 far you got creed rocky Balboa, rocky 4 rocky 2 creed 2 and then we're going with rocky 3 you know again i know probably a hot take because behind i, I, I would put
1: a higher best the...
0: okay well that's i'm 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 saying more so because now yeah. we're getting to the original rocky you know best picture winner this is the second worst rocky movie in my opinion because obviously Rocky Five is at the bottom, so Creed, Balboa, Four, Two, Creed Two, Rocky Three, Rocky, and then Rocky Five. What was a it was
1: a crazy, uh, crazy list assortment.
0: Well, I knew is you know I knew it just by Rocky being in you know near the bottom, and gosh, ugh, it's probably a better film than Rocky Four, but I would watch Rocky Four four times in a row before I would watch Rocky again. <laughs> Rocky
1: Four um, is entertaining
0: exactly right it's the perfect amount of terrible entertain, like so many montages not, ter- it's not terrible it's bad watchable um, so many montages and all those montages yeah. are terrific not not like the room like intentionally battering that it's just it's just not good but it's fun so
1: i th- i think it's good and i think it kind of leans into the cheese you know what i mean like into that it, it's very self-aware like <laughs> of yep. what it's trying to accomplish <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I think I think Creed and Rocky Balboa are like just just so tight as as the top two, and I almost put Creed right below Balboa, but I, I think there's a little bit too much of the the little Marie stuff in Balboa. Yeah, um, but I decided to edge Creed out just barely. So there we go. That's the spinoff, and with that, that's a wrap. A quick reminder: Sip Pop of Zooms part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media. And if you're interested in writing for siftpop.com, and by the way, we got the email I was recording this, that we're gonna start writing stuff again. So mm-hmm. um if you're interested in writing for siftpop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B plot, then you can email us at com. That email should be in your episode description. And you can also get in contact with me via Twitter or letterbox at Schweikastle. Uh, if you want to support the show, help out with the cost we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipment, and rentals. And you can Venmo me at Schweitcastle. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes uh, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts. It just helps out the show so much, gaining some uh, publicity. So that's uh, that's how you can connect with the show and, and keep following along. Joe, where can people follow along and uh, talk to you about uh, – uh, what was the
1: opening question we talked about? I think?
0: Uh, talk to you about who should run the internet.
1: <laughs> who should run the internet uh yeah you can hit me up on instagram at uh, the star spangle avenger uh you can talk movies or you know just any type of silliness going on uh, i'm a man of many hobbies uh, we can talk just about just about anything so
0: well and i do want to clarify it it's 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 all hyphens between the words right yeah it's all hyphens yeah yeah the uh, not hyphens underscore sorry Unders- the yeah. underscore star yeah. underscore
1: yeah spangled
0: those- underscore Avenger.
1: exactly thank you for that yeah i got you bro so
0: great hey uh next week uh i'm gonna be talking about uh, tv with alice again which is always a fun time because she watches a million and a half things and then uh you'll you'll be back on again next month we'll talk more comic books and uh uh comic book movies and we're talking about both of the 300 movies so 300 and 300 rides of an empire so we were just talking about a bunch of, a bunch of shirtless men fighting each other. We're going to talk about shirtless men fighting each other next week. That's comic week. Books. So uh, that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, it's award season, all that. So we got to get back to the writer's room.